the lack of a timely and thorough enterprise-wide risk analysis continues to be a weakness for many healthcare entities and business associates. That issue is frequently spotlighted by the Department of Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights during HIPAA breach and complaint investigations and compliance audits. So what are covered entities and business associates doing wrong? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with privacy attorney Adam Green of the law firm Davis Wright Tremaine about steps covered entities and business associates can take to improve their security risk analysis. So Adam, based on what you see when you work with clients and from what we're always seeing and hearing from OCR about security risk analysis, what are covered entities and business associates generally doing wrong? What I see a lot of, and it's both sad and frustrating, is that covered entity or business associate might hire an outside security consultant to come in and do a risk assessment and make very clear that what they're looking for is a risk assessment, but what they end up getting is a gap analysis against the security rule or another set of controls. And this is not a bad thing from the standpoint of information security. I think assessing yourself against the security rule and and even a more robust controls framework like NIST or High Trust or ISO is a very good thing for information security, but it's not the sort of risk assessment that the Office for Civil Rights, OCR, is often looking for. And so what's sad and frustrating is an entity in good faith may spend huge amounts of money to get what they think is a risk assessment, but then when there's an investigation, an audit, a breach, and OCR asks for the risk assessment, at that point it suddenly realized that this is not the sort of methodology that OCR is looking for. So, Adam, with that said, based on what you see, does there seem to be common steps or areas that these organizations are skipping when it comes to the sort of risk analysis that OCR is looking for? So, OCR has set forth in guidance that was published back in 2010 the elements that they believe have to be included in any risk assessment, and that's identifying the scope of the risk assessment, such as whether it's limited to electronic PHI, or maybe it includes hard copy information, maybe it includes not just PHI, but all confidential or business critical information. It requires a data collection to identify where your information is located, where is it coming in, where is it being stored, where is it going out the door, and then assessing the different threats, the vulnerabilities that those threats can exploit, the current security controls are in place, And based on that, determining the likelihood of a threat exploiting a vulnerability in light of existing security controls, then the impact if that was to happen, and finally the risk level. And so they're really looking for these threat vulnerability pairings. And what you oftentimes see instead is just a more of a checklist approach of these are the different security rule requirements or these are the requirements of a particular controls framework and they either are or are not in place, check, check, check. Sometimes without even mention of threat, vulnerability, likelihood, impact, the terms that the OCR guidance says must be part of any risk analysis. 
So now, Adam, you mentioned that many organizations, they rely on consultants. Who within a healthcare entity should be involved with a HIPAA security risk assessment? And you as an attorney, what role, if any, does legal counsel play in these HIPAA security risk assessment processes? I think the security officer should have the lead role. I mean, the, this is more or less a requirement on the security rule that the, the buck stops with the security officer with respect to ensuring compliance, including having a risk assessment done. Now, that doesn't mean the security officer has to be the one doing it him or herself, but certainly has to oversee that it is getting done. I think compliance and legal certainly have a place at the table to make sure that the methodology is consistent with OCR guidance because while attorneys and compliance officers may not have been formally trained in information security, they certainly can take a look at the OCR guidance and make sure that what is being produced to OCR or what potentially could be produced to OCR is fully consistent with that guidance. I think it should be really a team effort to make everyone working together to make sure that the deliverable, whatever comes back, completely maps to the OCR guidance. Lawyers also bring privilege potentially into play. Now, I'm not going to say that the risk analysis will always be invariably completely privileged if an attorney is involved, but I think there is a role for the process to be at the direction of counsel for purposes of ensuring that the legal requirements of HIPAA are being met. And this could be done, for example, with counsel engaging an outside security consultant to conduct the risk analysis, reviewing the statement of work to make sure that what is being contracted for will be legally compliant with the security rules requirements and OCR guidance on a risk analysis. That could include, for example, checking that the statement of work unambiguously incorporates every element that the OCR guidance says should be in the risk analysis. Oftentimes, what you'll also see and where privilege comes into play is that the consultants may want to offer recommendations in addition to assessing risk. And I think it's great to get the recommendations, but not necessarily as part of the risk analysis. I hate to be in a place where I come in after the fact and I'm giving a risk analysis that includes a bunch of recommendations that say you should do X and Y, which were never done, when that's not a required or expected element of a risk analysis. The risk analysis is just a matter of identifying the level of risk, not what steps should be taken in response. So an attorney can work with it to have essentially recommendations separate from the risk analysis document itself. And those recommendations can be provided to counsel and counsel can look at those recommendations and from a legal perspective, give them consideration and make recommendations as to whether counsel agrees or disagrees with them. And then with, under the direction of counsel, you can have a discussion between the security office, IT, other stakeholders, compliance, looking at the recommendations and determining what ultimately is reasonable. So maybe it's not realistic to follow every one of those recommendations. So it may end up that there is a separate risk management plan that is based on discussions where everyone's on the same page as to what can actually be accomplished and who will be accountable for it. 
And as a result, what you may end up having is a risk analysis where initial drafts that may not have fit with what OCR considers to be legally compliant, those initial drafts may be subject to a claim of privilege. You can have separate recommendations that are for purposes of legal counsel's review that are privileged. And then finally, a separate risk management plan that is something that gets produced to OCR rather than necessarily the recommendations that had not yet gone through legal review. So I think counsel can play an important role in making sure that you end up with deliverables that can be delivered to OCR while having a claim of privilege with respect to some of the documents like initial recommendations that may not have been ready for prime time and required some level of legal review and counsel. So Adam, with that all said, from a legal perspective, what happens if a risk analysis does identify issues that need to be mitigated? And then there's recommendations that are part of that risk analysis, but those recommendations don't get implemented, and then there's a breach. What's the fallout? First off, Any risk analysis will identify risks. I mean, if you have a risk analysis that doesn't identify any level of risk, it's probably been done wrong. But to your point about the recommendations, I think the potential fallout, you know, first and foremost, it's a smoking gun if you have litigation, like a class action after a breach, and they ask for the risk analysis. And for one reason or another, it's no longer subject to privilege. If you are producing, you know, because, for example, you shared it with OCR, if you're producing that risk analysis and it includes recommendations that were not followed, that is something that plaintiff's counsel will jump on in litigation. Additionally, um, even if there's no litigation, just producing to OCR, they're looking for a risk analysis that identifies the level of risk. They're not asking for what were the recommendations of your outside consultant. At least I have not, in my experience, seen them ask for that. They certainly may want to have a risk management plan, but that risk management plan is different than the recommendations from uh, the consultant. So what happens in an OCR investigation is either, you know, if you receive a risk analysis document that includes the recommendations rather than them being put out as a separate document, then you find yourself either having to turn over these recommendations that were not asked for, and the OCR certainly then may ask, well, what happened with these? Or you find yourself redacting portions of the risk analysis that you feel do not constitute part of the risk analysis, and you're handing over a redacted document to OCR, which is not ideal and potentially builds suspicion between you and the regulator. So, The fallout is that it can certainly undermine the investigation compared to if you have a separate risk analysis that you produce, recommendations that are not requested and are not produced, and then a separate risk management plan that only reflects what everyone has agreed upon as the risk management steps that will be taken. And how does cyber insurance fall into this if there was, again, these recommendations that were not followed, but they were part of the risk assessment? Does this void coverage? I haven't heard of it voiding coverage, but it certainly doesn't help. If for some reason the cyber insurer was saying that you made a promise in your application, you made a statement in your application for insurance that said, for example, you've identified and are addressing all risks and you've got a bunch of recommendations that were not followed, I suppose it could undercut your insurance. It could provide a basis to say that you are not 
forthright in your insurance application. I don't want to overstate this. I have not experienced that that has been the case. You know, I think apart from recommendations, I think there's been cases where uh, cyber insurers try to not cover a claim because they feel like certain statements were made more generally in the cyber insurance application that were not truthful. I haven't heard of this issue happening with respect to recommendations not being followed, but it's certainly not a good thing. And finally, Adam, looking ahead, what is your one top piece of advice or suggestion that you would offer healthcare sector entities about improving their security risk analysis? I would say unless you've done it for a few years and cross-checked it against the OCR guidance and feel very comfortable that it is fully consistent with that guidance, my recommendation would be bring in someone who does this for a living, uh, someone who has done a lot of these, and self-serving admittedly, but I, I do think there's a place for counsel. But whether or not you include counsel, anyone can take a look at that OCR guidance and cross compare it to, for example, a statement of work. And if you see that they are not quite meshing, that what is being described in that statement of work is not clearly stating all the elements that OCR states must be part of a risk analysis, have that discussion with the security consultant and make sure that every element that is in that guidance, you know, and walk through it element by element is going to be included. And that to the extent you get any recommendations that they're kept separate so that they're not part of the actual risk analysis document. If you do that, I think you have a much better chance of when a breach or investigation occurs, being happy with what you are handing over to OCR. Now, it may include a number, a large number of risks, and you're never thrilled to share that, but at least much happier than suddenly realizing that what you are handing over to them is nothing like what they are looking for. Thanks, Adam. I've been speaking to attorney Adam Green. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.